in the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish and Alex Clancy. Welcome to Rebound Radio. Alex Clancy in studio. Matt Fish should be calling in here in about 10 or 15 minutes, taking his daughter to Knott's Berry Farm. I'm jealous. 888-346-9144. For those of you that listened um, to previous episodes, Rebound Radio is foundationalized upon the NBRPA, National Basketball Retired Players Association, their stories, their tribulations, their charity work. Uh, for, the, for those of you who don't know, the National Basketball Retired Players Association is an accumulation of former athletes that have joined forces for one main goal um, to better the lives of their former athletes, whether it be through financial guidance or uh, charity work or marital counseling. The end goal for the NBRPA is to better the lives of players that used to wear NBA jerseys, and now the lights are off, the shoes are up, and real life begins. And a lot of people, I'm not going to uh, you know, generalize, but say some people after watching sports, like say I watched um, Larry Drew play in the NBA when I was younger. He was a Laker in, in Atlanta Hawk, and now he's had a head coaching career, assistant coaching career. But I don't think about Larry Drew when, he, when I stop watching him or when he's not on TV. So we realize the entertainment value that sports lend to the normal folk, quote-unquote. And there are some players that, you know, played in the NBA for three or four years that, you know, made some money, a couple hundred thousand dollars of its early 90s or early 2000s, maybe a couple million. But then when you're 26 years old and you can't make a squad and you can't get on a squad overseas, real life begins and you have bills to pay and you need to find a way to, you know, uh, provide for your family. And that's where the NBRPA comes in. Check out, check out voiceamerica.tv. Uh, Matt and I went to the NBA Legends Conference in Vegas a uh, month or so, two ago, and we got a lot of great content on there. Uh, so check it out. We did interviews with some former NBA players, uh, George Lynch, Keith Claus, Cherokee Parks, who is my favorite. And yes, he is as tatted up in person as he is in real life or on TV. Now, before Matt calls in, I'm going to talk a little NBA because the 2016-17 season is upon us. There's a lot of great storylines throughout the summer. Kevin Durant going to Golden State. LeBron still being LeBron, reigning champion, bringing the championship to Cleveland. Uh, and I have an interesting take on LeBron. But first, I'm going to bring in one of my now friends, uh, John Gennaro from the Mighty 1090 in San Diego. John and I did some work with an NFL show that, uh, that I used to co-host, and he is a football guru. Uh, from what I learned today, he knows more about basketball than he does baseball, even though uh, he's a big baseball voice in the San Diego area. John Gennaro, how you been, man? I'm doing all right, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So let, let's get right to it. So, And I'm going to ask first because I grew up in L.A., you live in San Diego. Is there any love for the Lakers in San Diego because they're the closest professional basketball team to them? And I'll take the Clippers away because I don't like the Clippers. Hey, can you, can you restate that? I, I missed you for a moment. Is there any love for the L.A. Lakers in San Diego? Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're probably the number one team in San Diego, despite the fact that both the Clippers and the Rockets used to be here. Uh, I think all those championships, especially with the uh, Shaq and Kobe era, uh, most of San Diego probably considers themselves Lakers fans. I'm not a part of that, but I, I can see it. That's part of the reason that the Lakers play a preseason game in San Diego every single year, and the Clippers don't. Yeah, it's a good point, and and you know for the uh, the Norm Nixon days of of the San Diego Clippers, and then up to L.A., I, I can see the uh, the line I, when I, I lived there for about six years, and all I heard from all my friends were I was I hate Kobe, and I'm sure that you know the Laker uh, constituents might grow a little bit in L.A. even more now that Kobe is no longer um, wearing a Lakers jersey, but. I you know and I can see that I can see the tie between the two, especially uh, geographically speaking. Now let's move on. Golden State Warriors. 
Add Kevin Durant, you know, a top three player in the league on paper, arguably barring injury. They lost Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili, and Harrison Barnes in the process. Do you think that they will need to score 120 points a game to get close to 67 or 68 wins? Or do you think that Steve Kerr and the ability that he's had to mold this team into a defensive powerhouse, do you think they'll be able to win it on the defensive end as well? Oh, no, no, not at all. And and Steve Kerr himself has come out and said that he's worried about his team's defense, specifically because they lost Festus Azili to Portland and lost Bogut to the Dallas Mavericks. They don't have a shot blocker anymore. They don't have a back end of their defense anymore. You know, they have guys like Andre Godala who can help lock up the perimeter, even though he's getting a little bit older. But their problem is going to be if they face any of those teams that have a guy who can get around Godala then, you know, there's really nothing waiting for him at the rim. If Steve Kerr is the the wizard that, you know, some people think he is, perhaps he can turn Kevin Durant's nearly seven foot frame and seven and a half foot wingspan and turn him into some sort of interior defense shot blocker type. But without that happening, yeah, they're gonna have to score hundred and twenty points a game to win sixty five plus. But with Kerr, Durant Thompson, I mean, is anyone doubting that they're going to score 120 points a game? No, and and the interesting point about that is that I'm scared that they're not done making moves yet, and there's one player that I still think is undervalued, the Scottie Pippen, obviously, to Steph Curry, is Klay Thompson. And Klay Thompson, for those people that don't watch basketball, um... You know, as in-depth as... So, say people that watch football. They watch for touchdowns. They watch for first downs. They watch for things like that. But people that watch the interior you know, linemen on the offensive and defensive side of the ball are also watching Clay Thompson play both sides of the court. And what he did for a certain period of time in the playoffs uh, on their way to the, to the finals when Kyrie Irving lit him up, Clay Thompson is the only two-way player on that team that is effective... Uh, on an all-star level on both sides of the ball. And in my opinion, he's going to be the on man out that they're going to have to trade if they need some interior defense, agree or disagree. I don't think there's any chance they ever trade Clay Thompson. Uh, they know exactly how valuable he is. Even if some of the, the regular fans are watching for Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, uh, and, and you know everyone knows Draymond is a, a defensive force when he wants to be, but Clay Thompson is, is really the engine that drives that car and Steve Kerr knows it. Every player on the team knows it. Uh, they showed it when they turned down a one-for-one trade from the Timberwolves of Kevin Love for Clay Thompson. There's no way they're going to move him. And, you know, to that point, he opens up things for Steph Curry quite a bit. If they ended up putting, uh, say, Sean Livingston out there with Steph Curry, who is, yeah, a, a good all-around player, a great player to have off the bench, and can drive and play defense, but isn't quite the shooter that Clay is, and probably not quite as good at with perimeter defense. Steph Curry now has to do more on defense and has tighter defense on him. So Clay Thompson, as far as I'm concerned, they're not trading him. Uh, the only thing I could possibly think it, that they could make a move at this point would be maybe signing a Ray Allen to come off the bench and, and keep their shooting hot, even when the starters have to go off. But I think it is what it is for them. They're going to score 120, 130 points a game. I don't think they're really concerned with winning 70 games again as long as they end up with the number one or number two seed at the end of the season. So they're going to win with their offense, plain and simple, knowing that, and we saw it when uh, Durant with the Thunder played against the Warriors in the playoffs last year, knowing that they have some players like Durant who can turn on the defense in the playoffs and give that extra effort when he needs to. Yeah, and, and, and I would agree with that point. And you see LeBron, they only won 57 games last year because he played at 60% the whole year. And I, I right. said before the playoffs started last year that them shooting for 70, 70 will be a detriment to them. And uh, it's easier for me to say that I was right now because they, they squandered a 3-1 lead in the finals. But with as young of a team as they have still, and they're not teetering on, you know, the, the we're almost 30, 27 is a f- far cry from 30, that the mental capacity was not there because they had an easy road, quote-unquote, throughout the playoffs the year before because all the point guards they played were hurt on the opposing teams. Now, right now, I don't think Kevin Durant's a good defender. And I think we would have seen this already if he were to have wanted to change his stripes and learn more on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, he will block shots from the three-point line when he's playing playing against a smaller guy. But you don't have... 
I mean, if if you focus on offense only, which is what they seem to be able to do, what changes them from being a a rich man's Oklahoma City? And I understand Oklahoma City brought in a couple defenders last year with Steven Adams and, and Enos Cantor, kind of a good defender, but he's just a big guy down low. Now you have nobody that is defense first. I mean, Draymond Green is, but you're seeing him kind of wane away, unless it's a big game, to be more of a three-point shooter and a facilitator than a defensive guy. So I think that they could be in more trouble than people think, and the fact that they're 2-3 to three, uh, in Vegas to win the finals is... Is a travesty because now all the north, all the north California, all the northern California fans are thinking, "Oh, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win." I think there is going to be a an oh my god moment if they start eight and seven like every super team does their first year. I mean, you might be right, you might be right, but the one thing that they do well, I mean, they, they've never been a great defensive team, even with Azili off the bench and Bogut in there in the middle, they've never been a great defensive team, and Steve Kerr knows this. He knows that one-on-one, Steph Curry can be had. He knows one-on-one, even this year, Kevin Durant can be had. And so they don't play a lot of one-on-one basketball. What they do is they go for passing lanes, which is what the Miami Heat, when they had a super team, used to do. Don't expel your energy trying to stop the one guy. Know that the other team's going to try and move the ball around, find the best option. And if you can put your hand in a passing lane and force a turnover, I mean, the reason the Warriors are so dangerous isn't just that they score a lot of points. It's that they can score a ton of points in a short period of time sure. and really just rip the heart out of your team. Let's move to the Eastern Conference. Uh, is there any chance that LeBron and the Cavs don't make it out of the East into the NBA Finals? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is the deal with super teams, right? If, uh, if one guy gets hurt for an extended period of time, they're, they're not nearly as good as they used to be. And, you know, last year they didn't even have the best year because Kevin Love was kind of used improperly all season long until they got to the, the tail end of the playoffs. So Kyrie Irving has always struggled to stay healthy if he goes down. Uh, Matthew Dellavedova is not there anymore as much as I, I don't think he's a very good player. Whatever they have behind Kyrie Irving isn't even that good anymore. Uh, LeBron James cannot be expected to carry this team for an entire season and end up with a one or two seed. And they're a much better team at home than they are on the road. At least they were until the finals last year. So there's definitely a chance that they don't finish with the one seed. That being said, uh, the only real challengers to the throne, I mean, I don't know if Boston can do it again. I know they added Al Horford, and so on paper they're a little bit better, but the team I'm looking out for in the East is the Indiana Pacers. I mean, they seem loaded, stacked. They have Paul George. They added Al Jefferson. Uh, they added, uh, oh, what's the name of that guy they got from the Brooklyn Nets they traded a pick for? I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but they, they have a very, very talented team. They added Jeff Teague to be a slight upgrade over mm-hmm. George Hill. I, I think that the Pacers are primed and ready to take the number one spot should one of the big three on Cleveland get hurt. And you, you can't forget about Toronto. I mean, Toronto finished with the second-best record last year. They're essentially returning the same team. Come on, though. I mean, Toronto, I, I, I know I, in everything you said up to Toronto, I agree with Indiana is always because they play more Big Ten basketball. Let's put it that way. I mean, they play, we're going we're gonna to beat you in the 90s. And Toronto, I think we've seen what Toronto is. They'll get you there. I mean, they'll win regular season games. Love, Go ahead. I don't love Toronto, but you can't, you can't just ignore the fact that they, you know, the last couple of years have been one of the best regular season teams in in the eastern sure. conference you can't just say well they're they're not going to finish in the top three when they've shown you two years in a row now that with this squad with this coaching staff they're probably going to finish in the top three now they're not going to be a threat once they get to the playoffs that much is obvious because demar Derozan shrinks but during the regular season they're still a dangerous team yeah no and i, and I would definitely agree with that i'm looking at cleveland as the surefire number one 57 i think they'll win 60 games this year I think I think towards the end they'll kind of ramp up a little bit so they're not so rusty going into the playoffs because it was it was kind of ugly in the first couple games against Detroit last year but I do believe that now the rhetoric across the NBA will be understand the spot you're going to be in if you need to make a push after the All-Star break that's fine win games early but don't overstrain your players mentally or physically and LeBron and Cleveland did that to a T last year I just feel bad for David Blatt but Golden State 
they as many games as Steph Curry set out the fourth quarter and Klay Thompson and whatnot, the mental strain that they put on themselves to get to seventy uh, proved to be a detriment in, in in the end game. And I think LeBron playing at sixty percent or seventy percent will now be the rhetoric for him for the rest of his career. It could elongate his career by a couple years, barring injury. And I think you'll see it even more with Kyrie and Kevin Love because. They're the injury concerns, as you stated earlier. So, uh, do you have a prediction yet, or is it too early? A prediction for where the Cavaliers finish? Well, for the finals. Oh, man. Uh, it, it's impossible to pick anything but Warriors and Cavs at this point. They, they're heads and tails above everyone else in terms of talent, and, you know, kind of heads and tails above everyone else in terms of coaching. Uh, but, you know, I don't give Tyron Luke credit for that. I think LeBron James is the, the de facto coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, but right now, there's no one else. I mean, the Knicks can, you know, maybe catch fire at some point. Jeff Hornacek's a, an interesting coach, but there's no challenge to their throne in the East. And on the West, it's, you know, the, the Warriors were the best team in the league last year and then went into free agency and somehow added probably the second best player in the league, if not the first best player in the league. If you think they're anything short of unbeatable in the playoffs, you're crazy. Now, we watch these games because crazy things happen, injuries happen, but right now I don't find a, any way that you can pick any other team besides the Cavs and the Warriors in the final. 888-346-9144, Alex Clancy in studio, John Gennaro from the Mighty 1090 in San Diego on the line. we got to take a break. On the other side, we'll preview some more NBA. Hopefully, John, you can stay on for a little bit longer. Yeah, sure. I can give you like another 10 minutes or so. I like that a lot. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Alex Clancy in studio, 888-346-9144. Rebound Radio on Voice America Radio. A very special guest... Uh, John Gennaro from the Mighty 1090 in San Diego. We are previewing the 2016-2017 NBA season. Um, we were talking about, I asked John's prediction uh, of who he thinks will make the finals. And, uh, I mean, I would agree, uh, Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers, obviously that seems like the obvious choice. The only team that's a dark horse like it is every year, and I've become a fan of theirs even though I grew up a Laker fan. The San Antonio Spurs just seem to have the uh, equation set that is, you know, timeless. And Greg Popovich is the head coach. Uh, he decided to come back for a few years when they signed LaMarcus Aldridge. This is the caveat to any argument that Golden State would come out of the West. San Antonio 
adding Pau Gasol, which was huge. I'm surprised they didn't try to add uh, a bigger name point guard because Tony Parker's not getting any older. Uh, I think that Chris Paul could be seen in a Spurs jersey if he knew it was good for him after this year with the Clippers. But they have the tutelage of of uh, Greg Popovich. There are very few coaches right now, active coaches that have championships that are that are coaching still in the NBA. Doc Rivers, who has given one, Rick Carlisle, Tyron Lue. I'm not going to count. Greg Popovich is the best of all of them, and we're seeing a transitionary period between the coaches that were around forever. You know, Phil Jackson and Pat Riley to a lesser degree, and Greg Popovich is the last one left. He's the last one that that strikes fear not only into side reporters' eyes, but into, you know, other teams' eyes, regardless of the product that he puts on the court. And I think that they they upgraded, even though, you know, uh, Tim Duncan is retired, but he'll still be around, and he might sign for half the year after the All-Star break. We don't know what's going to happen with that. He might Ray Allen with it. But LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol down low are is is... is you know, one of the better in Kawhi Leonard. That's one of the better front courts in the NBA still. It's not as flashy and it never has been. But do you think that, John, that they could win 55 or 56 games and challenge Golden State for the number one seed? Well, I don't think 55 is, games is going to win. I don't think 55 wins is going to challenge for the number one seed. I think the Warriors are going to get at least 60, probably end up about 62, 63. I think 55 is probably a good place to put the San Antonio Spurs just because of Greg Popovich and that good front court. But at the end of the day, they're not challenging for any sort of championship in my book because you look around the league, it's not a front court league anymore. Shaq's not here. Tim Duncan's gone. It's a backcourt league, and specifically it's a point guard league. And who's their point guard? 45-year-old Tony Parker? <laughs> uh, who's their shooting guard for most of the game? Uh, a 50-year-old Manu Ginobili? I mean, for, for my money, this team is good. I, I, I love Kawhi Leonard. I think he's one of the four or five best players in the NBA. Uh, I really like LaMarcus Aldridge, although I don't really like him as like the centerpiece of a team, but I look at this team and I'm like, they're, they're built for 10 years ago. They're not built for today's NBA. Yet, every year they're in contention. And, and, and I, it's Your point is, is well taken, but they've always covered their lack of athleticism with team basketball and good, you know, possession basketball, defensively and offensively, something that Golden State doesn't have. They don't have a good offensive set type basketball. It's all very fluid. They want it to be at least 20 or 30 pen, uh, percent in transition so they get the ball out fast after a make or a miss on the other side of the ball. But well, these guys. Alex, Alex the. the- the difference to me between what the Spurs were three or four years ago when I think Parker and Ginobili were still very useful players and Duncan was still a key point to that offense and today is I think they used to be something close to what the Warriors are now with pace and space and a lot of shooting and guys who could drive. And now they're essentially the Los Angeles Clippers. Are the Clippers going to win 55 games this year? Yes. Is anyone going to be afraid of them going into the playoffs? Absolutely not. It's, it's a flawed team. That is, you know, unfortunately, because of their cap situation and their personnel, forced to play basketball in a way that, you know, just doesn't win you championships anymore. Well, I mean, and there's a big difference between those two teams, and it's the coaching. And you have great, so they won 67 games last year. And they pretty much have, so 55, I, I, I undershot them for sure. But they won 67 games last year, and 14-2 and two in division, and... They only lost nine games in conference, in the toughest conference, you know, head and shoulders above the East. So if they win 67, say they win 60 games this year, they'll still be a two seed because all the other teams will incestuously beat each other in the West and won't win as many games as they should win in the East because they're not as mentally tough. What I do see this year, aside from what I said before, was you're going to have your star players playing a little bit more. Not the old ones, but you, you'll you see, and I think you'll agree with this, Kawhi Leonard will play between 36 and 39 minutes a game because he's 23 years old. So you have, you have to adapt and tweak the screws a little bit when you aren't as physically or talented or gifted as the other teams to counteract that. And with the coaching and what Greg Popovich has done in the past with his older players, he'll continue to do... But with the younger guys, he's going to let them fly. And Kawhi Leonard has become an outside threat. And Danny Green is a great knockdown shooter. And yes, I agree with you. The point guard position is an issue. But when you have 
the liberty of putting Kawhi Leonard on anybody, it will allow for playing the number one point guards with a guy that's 6'9 with a 7'5 wingspan. So there are things that they can counteract their lack of talent and flexibility with that other teams may not be able to do, including the Clippers. And the Clippers just don't, they're not a team. They wear the same jersey, but they don't play team basketball at all unless it's, uh, unless it's an alley-oop to DeAndre Jordan where all they can do is catch a ball and dunk it. I mean, I agree with you, and I, I think the, the key to team basketball is a, a point guard that can move the ball around and, you know, two players that, that don't have sticky hands. And Leonard is a, an okay passer. He's a much better scorer than he is a passer. Sure. Aldridge is a good passer. Gasol is a good passer. I mean, th- look, there's four teams in the West that are going to grab the top four spots. Uh, and the, f- the fourth, I don't think you've brought up yet, is the Utah Jazz. Right. But that does kind of rely on Gordon Hayward to come back and get healthy. The rest of the West, pretty much every other team in the West can fill the final four spots of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, so I'm going to do a little aside here. Do you think Damian Lillard was smart to stay in Portland? Yes. Business-wise. Yes. Ab- okay. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's his team. There's really nowhere else that he was going to go where it was going to be his team. Uh, they're one of the youngest teams in basketball. They have maybe the deepest team in basketball. I mean, their starting five obviously doesn't compete with the Golden State Warriors, but they run about 12 deep with quality NBA players, and pretty much everyone on that roster is like 25 or younger. Uh, Damian Lillard is resting on his laurels and, and understanding that the longer he plays with this group of guys, with this coaching staff, the better they're going to play together. And I think he's looking at what's going on in Golden State. I mean, that's not a a team that just started winning overnight, that's a team that grew together. You know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, they played together for a couple years. Steve Kerr didn't win a championship in his first year with the Golden State Warriors. You know, it it took some time, and then they had to add the final piece, which was really Draymond Green at the time. I think Portland is where Golden State was about two years ago, and they're going to mesh together, they're going to play really, really well, and then they're going to start looking for a final piece somewhere. Yeah, and CJ McCollum coming out out of Lehigh and actually being a formidable force is, you got to get lucky in the draft, and, and they did. I mean, Golden State, you're right, they got lucky with Steph Curry. And it looked a little iffy initially with all of his ankle injuries and stuff, and McCollum has gone through some growing pains as well. But those two guys uh, will be around for a long time. Now, I think he took $120 million, Damian Lillard, to stay. It's... I don't necessarily see him as being a lifer there because I know the Pacific Northwest has some of the best fans out the Rose Garden, especially with the, with the, with the Sonics leaving. And I've, I've heard rumblings that they might be the new expansion team going back. There might be a move from one of the teams in the NBA now back to Seattle. We can talk about that at a later date. Uh, the Pacific Northwest is, is yearning for a team to succeed in the basketball realm. But I think that there are a couple pieces away from ever competing and he's not going to get I mean what is he 26 now 27 he played four years at Weber State so he's not like the young buck coming out of college it has his whole career ahead of him he's got probably eight serviceable years and if a championship is not at the forefront of his mind right now and it's building a team around himself he made the right move but in this day and age of being of being quantified with championships one uh, directly correlated to your worth in history I don't necessarily think he made the best move. I mean, he could have got that money elsewhere. He could have gone to San Antonio for, you know, 30 or 40 less million. I know that sounds crazy to say. But if you want to win, he didn't make the right move if he ever wants to win a championship now. I, I, think, I think it's, you know, how you want to build. Yes, you know, San Antonio has LaMarcus Aldridge brought in as a free agent. Pau Gasol brought in as a free agent. And you can pair Damian, Damian Lillard as a free agent and say, Pop, make it work. But at the end of the day, the teams that play the best together are the ones that came up together. I mean, even Pop's Spurs teams were, you know, Tony Parker was drafted by them. Manu Ginobili was drafted by them. Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, David Robinson was drafted by them. Uh, in Portland, they have a similar philosophy there. I think Aminu might be one of their only free agent signings. And Festus Azili, who's probably not even going to play for them this year. Right. So it's a group of guys that were brought up together that know how to play together. They're going to get better as a team. Every single year, they always walk into the season knowing what they are. They're exactly what they were last year when they surprised people, except they're a little older, a little bit more experienced, a little bit better. And so I think they figure as long as we continue to grow as a team each and every year, we're going to reach a point where we're one of the two or three best teams in the league, 
And, you know, there's really nothing that's going to slow that down. They should have, I think Portland's going to have a three- or four-year run, uh, maybe starting next year, maybe starting the year after, where they're one of the best teams in the league. And yep. that, that is why he stayed. And it's also, you know, do you want to be a, a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a little pond? Uh, he gets to be the king of Portland if he wants to, and I think he does. Yeah, and that's, and that's fair. Uh, the days of growing teams organically is dead. And if, if, if Portland's trying to revive it, that's fine. Uh, it's in the NBA free agency has ruined camaraderie to a, to, to a certain degree. I'm not, this is not an absolute statement, but through the draft, because it's such a crapshoot and because picks are being traded so much and teams are tanking to get the number one picks, it's not as balanced as it once was. You know, you're not good for a year. You get a number one overall pick, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, whatever. Then you build from that. But nowadays, it's so incestuous with teams. There, there's no camaraderie anymore, really, like what it, there used to be in the late 90s. And I agree, San Antonio had a stencil. I mean, look at the Cubs now. Baseball is finally starting to learn that you can build through your farm system. And it's a detriment to the NBA because college basketball is now in your farm system and college basketball is now turning into AAU ball one and done. So the product isn't as well-rounded as it once was as it's coming into the NBA. So the NBA is trying to adapt. It's just a little bit more difficult to build like you used to be able to. And San Antonio did it in spades. And that might be the last team that we'll ever see do it that way and actually succeed and win five championships. I mean, it's it's how such you, a different. How do you explain the Golden State Warriors? Well, they got luck. They drafted. They got lucky twice with Clay Thompson and Steph. It's not lucky. They did their homework and it panned out with those two guys. I take Oklahoma City. Right. I mean, and- I take Oklahoma City as a great example. Although the Eagles were too big, they went bam, bam, bam. Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and if they could have held on to those guys and the James Harden trade wouldn't have happened overnight because he was a kid and didn't know what to do and if you haven't watched a special on James Harden it'll give you a completely different perspective on him because he didn't want to leave so it's there have been things that have happened and then people have been like you know what I want to be the man I want to be the man well, look it, and and part of this comes back to the the owner of the franchise if the, if the owner of the franchise is willing to pay the luxury tax and the, the owner of the Portland Trailblazers certainly has enough money to pay the luxury tax. He's going to be able to keep that team together. The owner of the Oklahoma City Thunder said, I will not pay the luxury tax. Get James Harden off my team. And so it, it's, you can build organically. And, and part of the reason the Warriors are keeping their core together, and I'm sure are going to sign Steph Curry to an extension, sign Draymond Green to an extension, and have their at least core four or five players, is because their owner says, yeah, if the only penalty is that I got to pay more money, but I get to keep the the foundation of my team in order, I'm going to do it. And I, I think that's where you're you're kind of missing the point that I'm trying to make is that as long as Portland is willing to be patient and spend, they can build the same way San Antonio and Golden State did. And part of the reason those teams were able to do it is they were patient and they spent. What do you think about Minnesota? I think Minnesota is going to be the most fun team in the NBA to watch. I have absolutely no clue whether or not they're going to be any good. <laughs> That's, that, you took the words right out of my mouth if I were to ask myself that same question. Because on paper, I'm, they're fun. On paper, yeah, they're, gonna they're going to be really night. fun. And yeah, you, I'm going to watch them every single night. But I, I think next year is going to be their year. I think it's going to take a year for them to be the team that, that Thibodeau really wants them to be. Yeah, and you know, I don't know... Who won? It'll be interesting to see the Kevin Love for Andrew Wiggins trade. It'll be interesting to see in 10 years who really won. Because if Cleveland wins one championship, I I understand right now. You know what? To be honest, because they won a championship last year, it's easy to say Cleveland. But if you look at Minnesota's team, Andrew Wiggins looks like an absolute monster. And with Carl Anthony Towns, with that panning out, you knew it would because of how he played in college. He's going to be an all-star this year. Andrew Wiggins could be an all-star this year. And you have Zach Levine that kind of came out of the woodworks, even though he was a, a higher draft pick coming out of UCLA. You, never, you didn't have that great of a sample size. And then you have the Chris Dunn kid from Providence. They, with Tom Thibodeau at the helm, if he doesn't ride his players into the ground like he's known for doing in Chicago, which wasn't necessarily all his fault, this could be a team for the future and for 10 or 15 years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's a team trying to build through drafting, trying to build organically. And I, I think that's, that's the right thing to do. I, I don't think there's anyone that disagrees with 
how they're building and, and everyone assumes that they're going to be great for years to come. Uh, I just, I think it's going to take a year for Sibs to really get all of the pieces he needs to make his defense run. Uh, they, they have Wiggins. They, you know, Levine is what he is. They have Towns, but they don't have any shooting, which worries me uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And they, they kind of need that one defensive tough guy who could just put a shoulder into somebody, and I don't think Towns is that guy. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that Nikola Pekovic has, has been injured throughout his career because he was, he was an 18-10 and 10 guy who could block shots down low. And for, the, for people that don't know basketball that much, I mean, he's, he was a monster. I mean, he was 6'11", 270, and he could block shots, and him or Carl Anthony Towns could actually have an anchor down low defensively. But, I mean, you're right. Shooting's going to be an issue, and na- but now any shooter that wants a shooter for hire will actually weather the cold and go to Minnesota because now there's a pulse in Minnesota like there hasn't been since 2000. So it'll be an interesting thing to see. And, and, you know, there are now some fun teams in the NBA that, including Minnesota, the Lakers could be one, and maybe that's a little homer of me, but you have Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle, who I'm really high on, and Jordan Clarkson they got for pennies on the dollar with all the new contracts. D'Angelo Russell, they have some pieces. And even in in, in the Valley of the Sun where we are, the Suns look like a fun team to watch, and I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it's unbelievable to me that Sacramento did what they did on draft day, but it yielded the, the Suns to get two amazing draft picks really high up, really for nothing. So they got Dragon Bender, they got Marquise Chris from Washington, and then they have Devin Booker, who's one of the upcoming stars in the league. There are a lot of young, fun teams to watch now, which hasn't really happened since Oklahoma City had its early prominence uh, in the West right when it moved there. So it'll be a very interesting season, and uh, we have to take a break. John, thank you so much for joining me. John Gennaro, uh, give me your Twitter handle real fast. It is John M. Gennaro. You can just figure out how to spell that. G-E-N-N-A-R-O, if, it, if, it, if I, my mind serves me correctly. Nicely done. I appreciate that. Good luck with the Chargers tonight. Good luck with the postgame show. Um, I'm pulling for them. Hopefully they can uh, pressure uh, Mr. Young Simeon and they can get a win at home. Thanks, man. All right, thanks, John. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit more NBA. We might have Matt Fish calling in. Uh, I'm going to give you my predictions. Stay tuned. Rebound Radio. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Alex Clancy in studio by myself. Thank you again to John Gennaro from the Mighty 1090 in San Diego for taking a little time to talk NBA with me. Check out uh, at Rebound Talk on Twitter. Follow Matt Fish. Matt Fish, former NBA player, played overseas, won a championship in the CBA, now the Phoenix chapter president for the National Basketball Retired Players Association. 
Check out voiceamerica.tv. Click on the Rebound logo that is on the homepage, and you can check out a bunch of uh, great video content that both Matt and I have um, have done interviews-wise with former NBA players. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Um, a lot of great stuff going on with the NBRPA, and uh, if Matt doesn't call in this week, uh, next week he will be in studio, and we will keep you up to date with all of the new things that are happening charity-wise, um, drive-wise. The NBRPA is always doing such great things for the community, and for those of you that overlook this, and I'm not accusing anybody, people that played in the NBA that are now part of the NBRPA and all these charities that, that they spearhead, they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're not getting paid. They're not doing anything. They have things that they need to work on in their life. I mean, Matt Fish is a really hard worker, you know, and, and he's not going to hear me say this, but so I could say it. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's one of the hardest working people I know. He does this show. He, he puts out a quarterly uh, magazine called Rebound Magazine. Rebound is kind of his brand. Uh, if you have any questions about it, you can email him at mattfish at reboundmagazine.com because that's how this whole thing started. It was It's a quarterly magazine targeting uh, former athletes, former NBA players, and everybody alike, and it spotlights former athletes, what they're doing now, Q&As, uh, everything. It's, it's a well-put-out, well-put-together publication that um, gets sent out to all former NBA players. And so he does that. He's, got, he's a family man. Uh, he's, he does works with charities all over the place. He puts on events all the time. He's always making appearances and stuff. And it's all out of the goodness of his heart and just spreading the word. His main word is financial literacy. So there is an app that I will not try to describe right now because he's way more well-spoken on it than I am. But pretty much this app that will be rolling out soon, I believe within the next couple months, pretty much will allow younger people, children, and adolescents to learn about financial literacy. And if you pass certain levels, you can unlock money towards grants for uh, college. And it's not something that will be taken away ever. It's thing, if you unlock certain levels, you get money for college, $1,000 here, $500 there. Um, and don't quote me on the exact verbiage of that, but I will make sure that, to bring that up as the first thing that we talk about in next week's show. Now, with betting and wagering and odds and spreads and all of these things that are now infiltrating sports as a whole, sports betting has become mainstream now. When you see it on SportsCenter, when you see it with different radio uh, guests that, you know, guys from Vegas, you have these guys that this is now a mainstream thing. And it's not necessarily because everybody bets on sports, but it's because it allows people to see in numbers how off-kilter a certain matchup is. So say hypothetically, in basketball, if the Spurs are playing the Philadelphia 76ers, in, or uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing the Philadelphia 76ers in Cleveland, the spread might be 13 or 14 points. That shows that if Philadelphia loses by, 14, loses by 13 points and you bet Philadelphia to win with that quote-unquote spread of 14 points, you still make money because that shows how off-kilter that matchup is. That shows how uneven that matchup is. And some of the best, uh, some, some people, what they like the most are the before-season odds. The odds that this team will win a championship. So say a team is 10-1 to 1 to win the NBA championship. And there isn't one now. So say the team that's 20-1, to 1, say the Boston Celtics are 20-1 to 1 to win the championship in the NBA in 2016-17 season. If you bet $10, you win 200. 20 times your initial bet is what you win if they win. Now, on the other side, the 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 uh, uh the Golden State Warriors are 2 to 3. They are less than even money to win the championship. That's showing that with all of the star power of, of Kevin Durant going there and having Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, all four all-stars, Vegas is weighing so much on numbers and history of numbers that they're completely overlooking the games needing to be played. That's not to say the Golden State will not win 65 games and, you know, going away, win a bunch of games by 30, score 130 points several times, everything. I get it. But when it comes down to it, 
Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. And you have to play games to win. That's my Mr. Rogers quote for the day. You have to play to win, kids. R.I.P. I don't understand why there's so much weight given to star power. 2008, I believe, Boston uh, acquired Kevin uh, Garnett and Ray Allen to add to Paul Pierce. They drafted Rajon Rondo. He ended up being a lot better than everybody thought he was going to be. Doc Rivers is now the most overrated coach in the NBA due to it. So, revisionist history, 2008. First time the big three got there, they won a championship. LeBron goes to Cleveland. LeBron goes to Miami. They didn't win the first year. They won the second year, but they didn't win the first year. Golden State won two years ago, had their all fingers except for their pinky finger on that trophy in the finals, didn't win. Betting is an evil beast. Fickle. You can have everything you think, all of the loose ends tied up, yet the human aspect comes into it, and some guy could have diarrhea the night of Game 7, and you could lose. So it's just interesting to look at the odds that, uh, that Vegas has. I believe this is Westgate, uh, Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. This is now the big uh, uh, flagship uh, Superbook in Vegas that everybody looks at. So the odds for 2017, 2-3 Golden State, as I mentioned. Cleveland, 11-4, to four, so it's almost 3-1. to one. It's like 2 point whatever, 2.8-1. to one. San Antonio, 6-1, to one, and then it drops to 20. So Vegas only thinks there are three teams that are really viable to win a championship. And luckily for Cleveland, two of them are in the West. So something that interests me more, I mean, betting's fine. I'm not, I'm not a huge sports better. I'm not a sports better at all, really. The projections, that's what I really like. When ESPN, I think this is actually Fox Sports, puts out the preseason predictions for how many games each team is going to win. Now, leading the pack, obviously, Golden State Warriors, 66.5. So this is a step back from 73. It's 6.5 less games than they won last year. And I think you can attest most of this just to the getting used to each other period early with Kevin Durant being there because now there is another largemouth bass to feed. There's another guy that is used to scoring 27 points a game, which will take away from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who are pretty much the offensive firepower on that team. So with when my aunt, when LeBron went to Miami, I think they started eight and eight, seven and eight, and then wait eight, nine and eight, something like that. When uh, I mean, and that's that's how it is now. And everybody's oh freak out, oh freak out. You know they've only played 17 games together. Same thing with Cleveland when LeBron went back and they traded for Kevin Love and then Kyrie. You know, there is some synchronicity needed in an effort to win games in the NBA, and it takes a little time. You can't just, it's not like a video game where you can just draft your fantasy team, put them on, and then you control every player. Everybody's got their own tendencies. Everybody's got their own needs, their own abilities to be passive, which Golden State, what they have going for them is that they have that in spades before Durant gets there. Very selfless, and it's easy to be selfless when you're winning a lot. And they were winning a lot last year. They won 24 games in a row or whatever to start the season last year. It's easy to be a team when you're winning a lot. When, when half-court offense doesn't really matter because all you do is jacking up threes in the first quarter and everything's going in, they've defied any sort of logic with their ability to make the three-point shot. Winning, losing, doesn't matter. They can drain everything all the time. Steph Curry is a freak. Klay Thompson is probably the best pure shooter in the NBA. And then you have Draymond that makes wide open ones when when everybody uh, sucks down on uh, uh, sucks in uh, defensively on Clay and, and Steph. So with Kevin Durant being there, I think it's going to be an issue early. I think they'll win less than sixty six games. I think they'll win sixty two or sixty three, have the number one seed, and be rested for the playoffs. Because now you have injury concerns. You have injury concerns with your three perimeter players. I'm not going to call Draymond Green a perimeter player. He's a power forward. He just he's undersized. Steph Curry has had ankle and knee injuries intermittently throughout his career. Klay Thompson, same thing. Now a lot of it was growing pains initially. You know, you're playing a lot of minutes, you're playing a lot more games than you were in college. And Steph Curry didn't have a lot of hand-to-hand combat when he was playing at Davidson. He would just jack threes, and you know he was just more elusive than than he um, proved to be in the NBA early on. And now he's obviously caught up in that regard. 
Kevin Durant has had injuries for the last three or four years. Foot injuries. Foot injuries are so detrimental to big guys, especially lanky big guys. You know, and guys that, uh, he's seven feet, okay? My calves are bigger than his. And he doesn't have a lot of meat on his bones to to weather the fall if he were to ever fall or tweak or whatever. That's the beauty of, of guys in the NFL. Because all of your muscles are so strong, you can deal with the tweaked ankle because you have muscle to support it. In the NBA, he's very brittle. He's brittle. So back to my initial point, 62 games is what I think they're going to win. Put it on the board. Because they're going to sit a lot of guys. I think Kevin Durant's only going to play 31 or 32 minutes a game this year on average. And a lot of it will have to do because they're up so much in the fourth quarter, they'll sit everybody. But you need to be mentally strong and physically strong going into the playoffs. And if you have the number one or number two seed, Golden State has proven they could win anywhere and lose anywhere. Because they lost game seven at home last year for the finals. So it doesn't really matter when it comes down to it. Home fielded, home court advantage really is starting to come more towards the middle especially with teams that are equally as talented or in the same, uh, same minute ballpark. So I see Golden State taking a little bit more of a laissez-faire approach, three or four minutes a game per player. You're not going to see Draymond play 40 minutes a game. Klay Thompson played the least amount of minutes out of anybody, I believe. Him and Steph were close. But I think you're going to see, instead of 35-36, you're going to see 32-33, 31-32 minutes per player, especially with the top four that they have, because you need to keep them as healthy as possible, mentally and physically, for the playoffs. And they, say, they saw what LeBron did on the other side. He autopiloted it, autopiloted it. Wow, that's a tongue twister for a lot of the season. And, oh man, they only won 57 games. They might not be, you know, as equipped uh, for a playoff run. If LeBron played 40 minutes a game and say 100% he was going to stay healthy throughout the year in a vacuum, they'd win 65, 66, 67 games too. But it's not necessary. LeBron needs to elongate his career as long as possible. He's 31. If he wants to get to the echelon of Jordan, which is, say you have a group, uh, uh, you know, uh, a sleeve of, of pens, of markers. You know, let, let's use the ones that are, that are uh, scented, like they were when you were in elementary school and you got high off them, or, you know, whatever. And there was that one that smelled like crap, you know, the whole thing. One of LeBron's markers is winning six championships and being the greatest ever, arguably. But he has so many other things that he wants to do. One's charity, one's family. A lot of them aren't even basketball related. Only one out of the 12 is that he wants to win six. Because he is, in my opinion, going to go down as the greatest NBA basketball player ever on and off the court. Family man, not a gambler, never got into trouble off the court. Everything that Jordan was, LeBron is not. Rebound Radio, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.